fact that we are that wife. We are the wife that is constantly running off and cheating and committing adultery on her husband. The husband, of course, is Jesus Christ. And we are, you say, well, are we physically committing adultery on, on God? But you know, we spiritually commit adultery uh, from time to time. And, and that's all through the book of Hosea. And God has been dealing with sin. And, and, and again, in chapter 13, if you look at verse 1, the Bible says, When Ephraim spake, trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended and bailed, he died. Look at verse 2. He says, but now they sin. Do you see that? Now they sin. Now, a complaint that we get around here at Verity Baptist Church is sometimes people complain to us. They'll say, you guys talk too much about sin. You preach too much about sin. But, you know, people who say that are kind of telling on themselves that they don't really know the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, I don't know if you've noticed, but most of the time around here, we're preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through books of the Bible. And it's a funny thing that when you actually begin to read the Bible and preach what the Bible says, you deal a lot with this subject of sin, because God deals a lot with the subject of sin. And the reason, you, know, you guys preach a lot about sin around here. No, actually we preach a lot of Bible around here, and when you preach a lot of Bible, you just happen to preach a lot on sin. Because God mentions sin a lot. And here in chapter 13, you find again, God dealing with Ephraim, you know that northern kingdom. He's dealing with their sin problem. And their problem is a very specific problem. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, when Ephraim spake trembling, notice what it says, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. Look at verse 6. Skip down to verse 6 real quickly. According to their pasture, so were they filled. They were filled, and their heart was exalted. Do you see that? Their heart was exalted, therefore have they forgotten me. See, Ephraim had a sin problem, but Ephraim's sin problem was pride. Ephraim's sin problem was arrogancy. Ephraim's sin problem was the fact that they had exalted themselves, they had put themselves in a position above others. They had, the Bible says there in verse 6, their heart was exalted. God says, that's your problem. Now I want you to see four things about this sin problem that Ephraim had. The problem of pride. Four things uh, tonight as we study this chapter. Number one, I want you to see the reproduction of their pride. The reproduction of their pride, if you look at verse 2. Now, I want you to see this phrase, and notice this. It says, and now they sin. But notice, it says, now they sin more and more. Do you see that? When you allow pride into your life, it will begin to multiply. And not just pride, but any sin. The Bible uses the illustration of sin being as leaven. And a little leaven will end up leavening the whole lump. And sin has a tendency to multiply. God says, they, in verse 1, He says, He exalted Himself. And in verse 2, He says, Now they sin more and more. And He says, It's overtaking them. Now keep your finger there in Hosea 4, uh, 13. That, that's where we're at for tonight. But go with me to the book of Psalms, real quickly. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And you know, let, 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 me, let me say this. You guys preach a lot, of, you know, a lot of negative sermons, a lot about sin. Well, you know, when you're studying the prophets, you get a, a, a lot of negative preaching. Usually when a prophet showed up, it wasn't a good thing. Pastor Jimenez shows up to your house with a bag of cookies. The prophet didn't show up with a bag of cookies. 
Usually when the prophet shows up, you're in trouble. When you, the prophet shows up, there, there, was, there was a problem that needed to be corrected. You know, the reason that we don't get... And most churches, most people, most Christians, don't study a lot of prophetic type preaching. And the reason you don't get a lot of prophetic type preaching is because you don't get a lot of prophetic type teaching. And when you study the prophets, and you study... Have you ever noticed that the prophets is a pretty major section of the Bible? I mean, you get into Isaiah, and it, you kind of just slow down in your Bible reading, you know what I mean? you got Isaiah, Jeremiah is... You know, Psalms the largest book in the Bible, but Jeremiah is just right up there with the book of Psalms. And if you go to Psalm 73, look at verse 6, I want you to see this. Psalm 73, we're talking about the fact that pride will reproduce in your life. They sin more and more. Uh, Psalm 73, if you look at verse 6, the Bible says, Therefore, pride. You see that? Therefore, pride. Notice what pride would do. Compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covered them as a garment. The Bible says pride will wrap itself around you. Pride will actually bind you like a chain. Pride, when you allow pride to come into your life, it will take over. It will begin to reproduce itself. You will begin to sin more and more. Now look at verse, go, go back to Hosea chapter 13. Look at verse 3. In verse 2 there, we see the reproduction of pride. In verse 3, I want you to see the reason for their pride. The reason for their pride. Now, there was two reasons why these people had their hearts exalted and lifted and why they had been proud. And by the way, if you're sitting there, if you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, I don't really need discernment. Let me tell you something. Every single one of us deals with the issue of pride. Amen. Every human being struggles with the issue of pride. If you think, oh, that's not really what I need. You know, you got this attitude. I'm humble and I'm very proud of the fact that I'm humble. <laughs> you got issues. You need to realize that if you, if you think to yourself, I don't need a sermon about, I don't need to hear about pride, you're probably the one person that needs to hear it the most. And pride is something we all deal with. Well, let me show you the reason for their pride. Look at verse 3. Reason for their pride, verse 3. Uh, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, verse number 3. you got to understand this. You and I will begin to exalt our hearts when we have the wrong perspective of, of ourselves. In verse 3, the Bible says, Therefore... They shall be as the morning cloud, and as the early dew. Now notice, he says, you're like the morning cloud. You're like the, uh, the, the early dew. And you may ask, well, how are we like the morning cloud? And how are we like the early dew? And God says, in the sense that it passeth away. You ever go outside early in the morning? You know, uh, my, my wife will run with our dog at 5 a.m. And, you know, I'll, try, I'll help her get the chain on the dog and kind of see her out and make sure she gets back, you know what I mean? But I, I don't run. <laughs> and I definitely don't run with a dog. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you ever go out there at 5 in the morning and you see that the, the, the wetness on the grass or, the, or the, the wetness on the ground there? That's the early morning dew. But, you know, the second the sun begins to come out, guess what? That just disappears. It doesn't stay there all day. And that's what God is equating our lives to. He says, therefore, they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew. He says, that passeth away as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor and as the smoke of the chimney. Now keep it bringing there, Hosea. Go to the book of James in the New Testament. James chapter number 4. James chapter 4. 
And James is towards the end of the New Testament, after the book of Hebrews, James chapter number 4, the Bible says that you are like these things that pass away. And that reminds me of this verse here in James chapter number 4, very well-known verse, James chapter 4. Look at verse number 14. James chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow... And notice this question. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. See, if you realize that our our lives in comparison to eternity, in comparison to God, in comparison to the, you know, just how great and wonderful and large and and long-lasting God is, you and I and our lives compared to eternity are just a little dash, a little dot. We're like vapor that appears for a little while and then vanisheth away. See, the problem with pride, if you go back to Hosea, and keep your finger, keep your finger there in James, okay? Or a bulletin or something in James. We're going to come back towards the end of the Bible study to James. So when we get back to James, you'll know we're almost done, okay? James chapter 4, keep your finger there. Go back to Hosea. The problem with pride is this. You and I have the wrong perspective of ourselves. We see ourselves as bigger than we actually are. We see ourselves as larger and as more important and as more, uh, uh, you know, needing of attention than we actually are. But not only does pride come because of the wrong perspective of ourselves, pride comes because of the wrong perspective of God. Look at verse 4. Now notice what God says. In verse 3 He says, They shall be as the morning cloud, they shall be as the early dew that passeth away, they are like the chaff that is driven uh, with the whirlwind out of the floor, as as the smoke, as the vapor out of the the chimney, as the smoke that that fadeth away. Verse verse 4, He says, Yet, He says, in comparison to what you are. He says, what are you? You are vapor. What are you? You are passing away. What are you? You are not going to last. You are not eternal. You are not God. And then God says, in comparison to that, verse 4, He says, yet I am. Now notice, don't miss that I am. When God says the word I am, you know what He's saying? Remember, I think we talked about this last week. I don't know if we did. But if you remember when Moses went to God, when God appeared to him there in that burning bush, and and God said to Moses, Moses, you're going to go out and you're going to get the people out of the land. Remember Moses said, and who will I tell them? When they ask me, what is your name? What What do you want me to say? And God said, tell them, I am that I am have sent you. And that name, I am, means this. It means the self existing one. The name I am, he, he didn't say, he's not saying I was. He's not saying I will be. He says I, I never was and never will be. He says I simply am. I've always existed. He said I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. He said no one created me. He said no one will destroy me. He said I just always am. Now notice the comparison is this. You'll pass away in verse 3, but I always am in verse 4. Do you understand that? The right perspective of your life will allow you to not lift your heart. God says you're like the early dew. You're like the morning cloud. You're like the smoke. You will pass away, but I always exist. He said, I've always existed. He said, I am. Now notice, just to make sure you understand. He says, I am the Lord thy God. Now notice, do you see the word from there? 
He says, I've been your God from the land of Egypt. Now, if you know a little bit about your Bible, you know that the land of Egypt is pretty early in the history of the Jewish nation. You have to get towards the end of, you know, Genesis begins with creation and all that, but once you get towards the last, you know, ten chapters or so of the book of Genesis, they're already in Egypt. And they're in Egypt through Exodus. I mean, Egypt is really where the nation really... If you remember, 70 souls went into Egypt. 3 million plus people came out of Egypt. I mean, Egypt is where Israel became a nation. Now, in Hosea, remember, the context of Hosea is 20 to 25 years before the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. Hosea is towards the end of this life. And God is explaining to these people, He says, you are but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. He says, I am the self-existing one. He says, I've been your God from when you were in diapers. From when you were in Egypt. From the beginning. He says, look at verse 4. I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. And thou shalt know no God but me. Now notice this. For there is no Savior beside me. And I don't have time to develop that. But often, Jesus would quote the fact that, that, that He is the Savior. And all throughout the Old Testament, God, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah God, the I Am that I Am, He says, no, I'm the Savior, and there's no other Savior before me. Jehovah God says, I'm the Savior. Jesus says, I'm the Savior. Is there a contradiction? No. Jesus is Jehovah. Okay, so I don't have time to develop that, but Jesus is God. Verse 5. And, and that's, a, that's a doctrine that is under attack today. The deity of Jesus Christ is under attack today. Verse 5. The Bible says, according to their pastor. Now you got to understand this, okay? They, the reason for their pride was the fact... I'm, I'm sorry, the, the reason for their pride was the fact that they had the wrong perspective of themselves. They had the wrong perspective of God. So we saw the reproduction of their pride. We saw the reason of their pride. But number three, I want you to see the result of their pride. What comes from a heart that is exalted to God? And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, your heart has been exalted. What is going to come from that? Look at verse 2. Go, go back to Hosea chapter 13, verse 2. I want you to see this. There are a couple things that result from... A prideful heart. Number one, what results from an exalted heart is idolatry. Just look at verse 1 again, just so you can get the context. When Ephraim spake trembling, notice, he exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended in Baal, he died. And now they sin more and more, and have made them molten images of their silver. And I want you to notice this phrase. If you don't mind uh, underlining in your Bible, I'd underline this phrase. And idols according to their own understanding. Do you see that? Now the idol is their God. The idol is what they worship. Now now you got to understand this. Keep your finger there, Hosea. Go, go just a few pages towards the left. Uh, past the book of Daniel, into the book of Ezekiel. Let me just show you this real quickly. Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel 14. We're supposed to be studying the Bible, so let's look at some Bible. Ezekiel chapter 14, and look at verse number 13. Because when I, whenever I start preaching about idols, people tend to tune out, you know. They say, well, I'm not 
not worshiping no statue, and I don't have no, you know, I'm not a Buddhist, and I'm not or a, a Catholic. I don't have these idols. I'm, I'm not an idol worshiper. But you got to understand this. This thing of idols is more than just bowing down to a statue, although, of course, that is an idol. But if you look at Ezekiel chapter 14, look at verse 13. Ezekiel chapter 13, I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 14, and verse number 13. Let's see if I, I think I might have wrote down the wrong verse. Good night. Ezekiel 14, 13. That's not the right one. Let me try 13, 14. Ah. No, I must have wrote down the wrong verse. Good night. Ezekiel 14. Look at verse 3. I meant to, I wrote down 13. I meant 3. Ezekiel 14, verse 3. The Bible says, Son of man, these men... Now, I want you to see this. These men have set up their idols. Now, notice, where are their idols? In their hearts. Do you see that? So, an idol is not necessarily just a, 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 an object or a statue. The Bible says you can have an idol that is not a thing... It can be in your heart. Do you see that? Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of all, uh, at all by them? Now go back, go back to Hosea. The Bible says that what will happen when you get pride in your heart is you'll have idolatry. But you got to understand this. Idolatry is not necessarily a statute, although it is a statute. But idolatry can be in your heart. Now, if you look at verse 2 again, look what it says. And now, they sin, no, they sin more and more and have made them molten images of their silver and idols, I want you to do this, according to their own understanding. That is the type of idolatry that America is in today. Making a God, making God in your image, in your understanding. See, whenever these words come out of your mouth, or whenever you think this, when you, whenever you say, you know, I think God would be okay with me doing X, Y, and Z, you're already wrong. Whenever you think, you know, people often, they, they try to justify their sin. Well, I, you know, I think that God is okay with, no, it doesn't matter what you think. Well, I just believe that God would not mind in this one situation. I believe that God would... It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter. All that matters is this right here. The Word of God. See, what you and I try to do... Go, go to the 12 steppers. You know what they tell you? Pick a God of your own understanding. Exactly what they think. They think the wording right out of Hosea. Just make a, your own God. You know, whatever you think. And by the way, that's the average religious person in America today. You go to the average person today, you tell them, hey, did you know that Jesus spoke about sin and judgment and hell? No, no. Oh, I, Jesus only see, only talks about good things and butterflies and, and little puppies. It's a God of their own understanding. It's a God created in their image. Do you understand that God, the Bible says that we were created in the image of God? Yeah, we have turned God into our image. We, we think, well, I hope God is okay with this. Why don't you find out if God's okay with it? Amen. Well, I, I think God might be okay with me. Why don't you find out if God's okay with it? Why don't you seek God's will about it? Instead of making decisions and say, well, I, I hope this pleases God. Hey, find out what pleases God. Amen. Read the Bible and study the Bible and memorize the Bible and figure out. And don't just make a God of your own understanding. Amen. Go to Romans. Go to Romans real quickly. Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1, 
Look at verse number... This is the society we live in. Romans chapter 1. Look at verse number 22. Romans 1.22. The Bible says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. If that's not America, I don't know what is. Because that when they knew God... They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, verse 23, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. They changed the glory of God into what... what, Now notice, what did they change it? Into an image made like to corruptible man. They've made, instead of God making us in His image, we've made God in our image. And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Notice verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. That's the average church. And worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. you got to understand this. Go, go, to, go to Romans chapter number 8. God at creation, the Bible says in Genesis chapter uh, uh, 1 there, it says that God created man in His image. But Satan came by, tempted Eve, Eve was deceived. Adam was disobedient. They sinned. Our sins have separated us from God. And you know what God has been trying to do ever since creation? He he produced salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ to reconcile us unto Himself. And once you get saved, you know what He tries to do for the rest of your life? Is to try to get you back to be in His image. We were created in His image. We lost that image. And after salvation, He spends the rest of His time trying to get you back into His image. You say, can you prove that? Go to Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 29. Romans chapter number 8, verse 29. Romans 8, 29, the Bible says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. We already talked about Jesus as God. You were conformed. People say, well, do you believe in predestination? Yeah. Do you believe that people were predestinated for salvation? No. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Amen. What were you predestinated for? For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. God has predestinated you to be like His Son. You say, why? Because that's why He created you. He made you in the image of God. Amen. And when you get saved, He said, okay, now we can begin to work to get you back like my Son. See, that's why you're not your own. You're bought with a price. That's why you can't make this decision. Well, I think God would be okay with... You can't make that choice. Amen. All you can do is say, what would Jesus do? Because all you're supposed to do is, what would Jesus do? Why? Because you're supposed to be conformed to the image of His Son. Look what it says. To them who are the called, according to His, not your purpose. The Bible says that God... You understand this though. Pride causes us to say, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to make up a God in my mind that will justify what I want to do. You don't have to make up a God. You, all you have to do is read God. People say, the Bible says it. I believe it. It's settled. No, no, no. no. The Bible says it. It's settled. Period. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. 
We are not to be made, make God in our image. Go, go back to Hosea. They made a co- idols according to their own understanding. It's like the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And whenever men do what they think is right, they'll always do what's wrong. Because our hearts are wicked. They are desperately wicked. you got to understand that God, we are to conform to God, not vice versa. But I want you to see this. What happens, what are the results of pride? The result of idolatry. The result is we make a God up in our minds that justifies our sins. That justifies the things we want to do. That is okay with whatever you want to do. you got to find out what God thinks about it. But number two, what happens because of the result of our pride is we forget God. Go, go, go to Hosea chapter 13, look at verse 6 again. It says, according to their pasture, okay, so were they filled. Now the pasture is talking about their feeding there. He's using the illustration of like a calf. He's been using that illustration all throughout Hosea. He says, I fed you. He says, I prospered you. He says, I made sure you were taken care of. Now notice, notice what it says. He says, according to their pastures, so were they filled. They were filled. Here's a problem. They were filled and their heart was exalted. You know the problem with Americans today, Christian Americans today, is we're just a little too filled. We're just a little too comfortable. We're just a little too okay. What would humble us is maybe a little persecution. But because everything's okay, we're just a little filled, we're a little comfortable. Notice, our heart, their hearts were exalted. And when their hearts were exalted, look at the last part of verse 6, Therefore have they forgotten me. Don't answer this. But have you ever, you ever gone three or four days without reading your Bible and not even realized it? You ever, you ever had a call from pastor saying, Hey, we've missed you in church the last six weeks. Oh, I didn't realize I missed that many services. You ever gone three months and can't even remember the last time you bowed on your knees to pray? You say, what happened? You got pride. And when you get pride, you forget God. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 6. According to their pastures, so were they filled. They were filled and their hearts were exalted. Therefore, have they forgotten me? Go to Psalm. Psalm 10. Psalm 10. Look at verse 4. Psalm 10, verse 4. So you got to understand, this pride issue will kill you. And you don't understand how it's going to kill you, but we'll talk about that in a second. Look at some, Psalm 10, look at verse 4. Psalm 10 and verse 4. Psalm 10 and verse 4, the Bible says, Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked, through pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Now notice what it says. God is not in all his thoughts. I, I didn't realize I'd gone that long without reading the Bible. That's what God is not in all your thoughts. I didn't realize I'd missed that many church services. That's what God is not in all your hearts. Thoughts. I didn't realize that I had... It's, you're right, it's been a year and a half since the last time I went so many. That's because God is not in all your heart, in all your thoughts. And the problem is pride. Look at verse 4. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. You will not seek after God when you are filled with pride. God is not in all his thoughts. Why? Because when you are filled with pride, you are on all your thoughts. That's what pride is. You're only worried about you. Me. What am I going through? What am I struggling with? How am I doing? And you're not worried about what God thinks about anything. Come on, man. 
we saw number one, the reproduction of pride. We saw number two, the reason of pride. We saw number three, the result of pride. Number four, let me just see, show you this real quickly. The resistance to pride. Go, go back to Hosea. Hosea, we're going we're gonna to look at Hosea. We're going to run like five or six verses. Maybe seven or eight verses. <laughs> seven or eight verses, and then we'll be done, okay? So you got you got to do this quickly. Hosea 13, look at verse 7. Therefore, do you see the therefore there? He says, because of your pride, because you exalted yourself, because of your reproducing of pride and the reasons of your pride and the result of your pride, he says, therefore, notice, he says, he says you're going to make me do something I don't want to do. Notice what he says, therefore, I, this is God speaking, will be unto them, that's God's people, you and I, as a lion, as a leopard. By the way, will I observe him, serve them. You ever watch maybe like a documentary of a lion or one of these big cats? You know, they sneak up to their prey, they're all down in the grass, and they just sit there and they're just watching before they pounce. And what are they waiting for? Just the right time when that, you know, antelope or zebra or whatever is distracted to pounce on them. God says, that's what I'm going to do to you. He says, I'm going to wait till you're distracted. And it's not very, it won't, he says, it won't take very long because your heart's filled with pride. He said, I, I'm going to wait till you're not thinking about anybody but yourself. Now no, notice, I'm not making this up, believe verse 7. Therefore, I will be unto them as a lion. As a leopard, by the way, will I observe them. He said, I'm going to crouch down. He said, I'm going to get down in the grass. He said, I'm just going to get my, my, my claws ready. He said, I'm just going to watch you. I'm going to be ready. Look at verse 8. He's going to pounce. I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her wealth. You know what that means? A bear that just lost a cub. That is one angry bear. <laughs> a mama bear. I'd rather face a, dad, a daddy bear than a mama bear. I'd rather face a daddy bear than a mama bear who lost her baby bear. You understand what I'm saying? He said, I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her wealth. I will rend the call of their heart. And there, notice, this is God speaking. There will I devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. Saying, what is God going to do? You got to understand this, okay? And let's, let's run a few verses so you can understand this concept. Go, go to Proverbs. Proverbs 15. We're going to do this quickly. And, and we'll make a couple applications and, and, uh, and a conclusion. And, and, and then maybe two, three more points. I'm just kidding. Okay? We're not going to do that many. But let's just look, look at a few of these. Proverbs 15.25. Proverbs 15.25. Proverbs 15.25. Proverbs 15.25. The Bible says this. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but He will establish the border of the widow. Go to Proverbs 16. Look at verse 18. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction. And in haughty, you know what the word haughty means? Exalted. A haughty spirit before a fall. Now notice. Pride goes before destruction, and God says, I'm going to wait, because remember He said, I'm going to wait, I'm going to observe. Why? He says, I'm going to wait till you get all the way as exalted as you're going to get before I drop you. Why? Because the heart, you know, what is that saying? The, the farther you fall, the harder you hit, or something like that? What is that saying? Good night. What is it? The higher you what? The higher you are, the harder you fall. That's what God's saying. 
Look at, look at verse 16. Pride goes before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. Go to James. Did, I, did you keep your place in James? Remember I told you when we got back to, back to James, we're almost done? That wasn't true. Go to James. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're all, we're all almost done. James, James, chapter 4. James, chapter 4. Look at verse 6. James 4. It, it, look, it's 8.05. I got 10 minutes. James, chapter 4. Look at verse 6. James 4, in verse number 6. Look what the Bible says. James 4. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith. Now notice this. God resisteth the what? Proud. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Let me tell you something. The fastest way to get God on the opposite side of where you want Him to be is to let your heart get pride. You want God to be against you? You want God to meet you like a bear bereaved of her whelps? You want God to pounce on you like a lion or a leopard? Just start getting a little pride in your heart. Because there's one thing that God just can't get away, let you get away with. And he says it's pride. The Bible says God resists. Do you see that? God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 5. 1 Peter. Just next book in the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 5. 1 Peter 5. 5. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. That's the opposite of pride. Be clothed with humility. Why do you want to be clothed with humility? For God resisted the proud, and we give it grace to the humble. Let me just tell you, 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 you want God to be on the opposite side of you in a fight... Just get, allow pride in your heart. Because the more pride-filled you are, God says, I'm going to resist you. He says, I'm not going to let you get away with this. Go, go back to Hosea. Hosea 13. He says, you exalted yourself, therefore I will be unto them as a lion. And as a leopard, by the way, will I observe them. I will meet them as a bear. God says, I'm going to destroy you. I mean, are you, are you getting the, this concept through the book of Hosea? Look, look at Hosea 13, look at verse 1. Hosea 13, verse 1. When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Balaam, look what he says, in Baal. Look at the last uh, two words of verse 1. He died. You see that? God says, God, God is saying to the nation of Israel, He says, I'm getting ready to kill you. Because of your pride. Do you understand that? You say, Pastor, are you threatening us? I'm not threatening you, that's God. And I don't think God, God doesn't threat. He makes promises. He said, he said, I'm gonna, he said you're going to die. Why? Because you've exalted yourself. Look, look at verse, uh, 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 verse number, let's see where I want you. Go to verse 14. No, 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 not verse 14. Verse 15. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, he said, I don't care how fruitful you are. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care how, how the world may look at you and say, oh, I don't care how high in politics you get. He said, though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind. Remember that? From a couple weeks ago? An east wind. What, what does that east wind represent? Represents the, the fact that, that uh, judgment, the fact that uh, famine is coming. He says, therefore, uh, among his brethren, an east wind shall come, the wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness, and his springs, notice, his springs shall become dry. That's not a good thing. Where your water flows, he said, I'm going to dry that up. And his fountains shall be dried up. He shall spoil the treasures of all pleasant vessels. Here's what God's saying. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. Here's what God's saying. I'm getting ready to bring you down because you've exalted yourself. You've got to remember this. The fastest way to go down 
is to exalt your heart. I don't want to really bite on this too much because I'm preaching about it on Sunday morning. But if you if you're still not convinced, why don't you ask Lucifer? Remember Lucifer? I will be like the Most High. I will exalt myself above the heavens. I, he said, he said, I think seven different times there, he says, I, I, I. He said, I will be like the Most High. And God says, I'm going to drop you. Because that's what God always does when your heart gets pride. We saw the reproduction of pride. We saw the reason for their pride. We saw the result for their pride. We saw the resistance of pride. Are you there in Hosea 13? Look at verse 9. And then, and then, to finish it all off, God says this. And by the way, you're the only one that you, you, you want to blame somebody, blame yourself. Look at verse 9. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. <laughs> now wait a minute, God. You just tore me up like a bear bereaved of her whelps. Yeah, but you did it to yourself. Because I resist the proud. And if you wouldn't have got pride, He said, you wouldn't have had this happen. Now, now next week, said, that's a very negative subject. Next week is a very positive... Chapter 14 is a very positive chapter in the Bible. You know why? Because next week he's going to explain to them the last part of verse 9. Look what it says. Verse 9. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. And we'll talk about that next week. But let me just, let me just give you a few things to think about, okay? Uh, we're, we're, man, good night. It's only 8.10. i got five minutes. Go to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Real quickly. Matthew 23. Is it warm in here? I'm always warm. But, uh... Hey. Matthew 23, that's why nobody can agree. Matthew 23, okay, we're on, we'll, we'll finish this up. Matthew 23, look at verse 12. Matthew 23, verse 12, quickly. Let's look quickly. Matthew 23, verse 12. And whosoever, you say, what do I do, Pastor? What do I do? I feel like God's against me. I feel like everything's running against me. I feel like, you know, my, my job, my family, I just feel like God is attacking me right now. What do I do? Look at verse, look what it says. Uh, verse 12, Matthew 23, verse 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. You exalt yourself, God said, I'm going to bring you down. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Amen. Go to Luke 14. Look at verse 11. Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 11. Luke 14, verse 11. We're going to look at Luke. We're going to look at Luke. We're going to look at one verse in Philippians and we're done. Luke 14, verse 11. Luke 14, and verse number 11, the Bible says, For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. See, the fastest way to go down is for you to go up. But the fastest way for you to go up is to put yourself down. You humble yourself. You submit yourself. You lower yourself. God says, I'll exalt you. But see, when you exalt yourself, God says, I'm just going to bring you down. It's because your problem is pride. And God says, He resisteth the proud. Look at one verse. We're done. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians, you got Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2, look at verse number 3. Philippians 2, 3, I want to give you the definition of the word humble. Because the opposite of pride is humble. But see, most people don't know what the word humble means. You talk to the average person, you know what they think humble means? They think humble means you thinking badly about yourself. Here's what most people think. Pride is me thinking really good about myself. Look at me, look at how good I am. Look at how good looking I am. Look at how successful I am. Look at how much money I've got. Look at you know how much talent I have. Look at this. Look at how most people think that's pride, and that is pride. Yeah. But then they think, okay, humble. You ever talk to that you know that person? Every time you're like, how you doing? Not good. My life's falling apart. I'm not good at anything. I stink. You know what I mean? Now most people think that's being humble, but you know the truth of the matter is that's actually still being prideful. 
You know why? Because who's that, the attention of that person, who's they focused on? Themselves. Now it may be negative, but it's still all about them. And pride is always about you. Whenever you're thinking about yourself, I'm not good, my life is horrible, I'm such a bad person, I'm not talented or anything. Guess what? That's just as a person that, I'm great, look at me. Because everything's about you. So what is being humble? Philippians 2, look at verse 3. Philippians 2, 3. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, that's verse 5. But that's good too. Look, look, look at verse 3. Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness. Do you see that word there? Right. But in lowliness and lowering of mind, let each esteem other, now notice, better than themselves. What is it to be humble? It's not to think negatively about yourself. It's just not to think about yourself at all. To be humble is not to think badly about you, but it's just to think better of other people. To seem other better than yourself. To say, you know what? I'm going to make sure you win. If someone, you know, I always tell people this. You, you start doing business with people, and I don't, if anybody's doing business in church, at this point, I don't know it, okay? So if I'm saying, I'm not saying this, whatever. But you, you start doing business with people within church, you know, if someone's going to lose out on a deal, make sure it's you. Amen. Because when you esteem other better, you say, well, I'm, I'm not going to let myself get lowered. But if you lower yourself, God will exalt you. Come on, See, being humble is to say, you know, you know how marriages work? You know how marriages are great marriages? When the husband says, you know what? I'm going to lower myself and just... Make sure that you always get your way. And when the wife says, I'm going to lower myself and make sure you always get your way, you're going to have a great marriage. Amen. You know when marriages fall apart? I'm not going to let you get away with that. You're not going to treat me like that. I'm better than that. Really? Because that's not really a lowering type attitude. You can take that anywhere. Contention. The Bible says pride comes because of contention. So what is it to be humble? It's to esteem others. Is to esteem other. You know why I try? You know, I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. But you know why I try to say, you know what? I'm getting the bad end of this deal. But I'm just going to go ahead and let you win. I'm going to go ahead and esteem you. I'm going to go ahead. Because, you know, rather than me winning this battle, I'd rather lower myself and let God make sure I win in life. Amen. Because when you lower yourself, the Bible says God will exalt you. But when you exalt yourself, the Bible says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the book of Hosea. And Father, I couldn't plan out these sermons if I tried. You are always on time. You always give us what we need to hear. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to study the subject of pride. It's what destroyed Ephraim. It's what's destroying America. It's what destroys marriages, businesses, Christians. It's this issue of pride. Lord, help us to realize that we are here to please you. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.